Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about helping you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. And that is exactly why we're here. That is our purpose. That is... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, that came out of... That came out of... You surprised me. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I could see your face, like, putting it together. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, so, I mean, you guys read the title of the episode clearly, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. We are talking all about, about purpose. What is your purpose? Do you have a purpose? Probably not. But do you? I don't know. Let's. Yeah. let's... <laughs> but before we get into it, we need to waste time for 10 minutes talking about stuff no one cares about. That is contractually our obligation right now. <laughs> we are contractually obliged to waste time. No, I, I, I did have a thought that I wanted to talk about really quickly before we get into the, the topic. And that is gaming and how the sorts of games that you like to play can tell you about the sort of person that you are. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Like a gaming personality connection a little or bit. test almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like like one of those stupid Facebook quizzes. What kind of video game are you? <laughs> yeah. What kind of Disney princess are you? <laughs> Which My Little Pony are you? Which animated pie from the snow from Snow White are you? <laughs> um, so so let me let me let me um, let me ask you this, Josh. What are your top three recent games? Like you know, games that you recently have enjoyed or whatever. Um, and this doesn't necessarily this doesn't necessarily have to be video games. This could be a card game, a board game, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, top top three games I've enjoyed. What recently? Is that like the last two years kind of thing? Yeah. Pick a time frame. Whatever you want. Okay. Well, obviously, Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild is my number yep. one. Um. Uh, I want to say, yeah, I'll say Super Mario Odyssey and okay, yep. Stardew Valley. Ah, yes. Ha- I've been back into that one recently and really enjoying it. You've been playing it. Yep. Nice. That's yep. that's cool. That's Just got cool. my first chickens. <laughs> ah, can I give you some advice with Stardew? Don't get too many chickens. Okay. Is two too many? No, no, no. Two, two is fine. I, I had a coop with like twelve chickens. That was too many. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see. That that's that's way too many chickens. Because okay. by the time you get to the end game. You just are completely inundated with eggs, and it becomes the biggest chore to collect the eggs every single time. Oh, okay, yeah. So, 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 what my thesis is is that the sort of games that you like to play reveal a little bit about your character. So, for you, uh, I'm noticing there's adventure, right? So, Legend of Zelda and Super Mario—they're kind of like adventure platformer um zelda's a little bit more rpg and mario is a little bit more arcadey i suppose you could say platform yeah platform um stardew valley is an interesting mix between adventure social um sim it's a little bit of a sim yeah farming sim yeah yeah 
so for 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 instance for me so as a way of contrasting Mm -hmm. uh, one of the games that i've really enjoyed recently is a game called splendor it's a board Mm -hmm. game it's not a video game but it's basically you are gathering gems as resources and then you're buying cards to get you victory points that's basically all it is um, okay. And it's th- it's like Catan in that the first person to get a certain amount of victory points is the winner. Yep. And what I've noticed recently in myself and in other people is that the type of game that you enjoy really does say a lot about the sort of person that you are. For instance, I was at a, at, at a um, board games night recently and I noticed that there were some people who really, really, really enjoyed the random games the mm-hmm. just the bizarre games that don't really have much point and it's sort of really random and it's just fun right yep so yep. so people who are a little bit more they're more into the social side of games they're not quite as in, interested in the strategy mm-hmm. personally i find those games really boring personally fair enough yeah doesn't mean they're they're bad games. They're no, perfectly yeah. good. They're perfectly good games from a from a game design point of view. I can really appreciate the fun, the color, the flavor, all that sort of stuff is great. But what I've been noticing about myself and what I've been noticing about other people is that for me, I'm really enjoying I really enjoy games that you don't necessarily how to explain this. There are some games that have really high um skill ratings mm-hmm. like a skill ceiling mm-hmm. like you can play it and you just it takes five to ten maybe even more playthroughs before you really understand you get to grips with the game mechanics yeah yep there are certain there's one game that i played recently um called hero clicks and it was never marketed in australia or new zealand to my knowledge it's american but the skill ceiling is enormous at oh, least really? in yeah, well, so what you have is you have all these heroes, these Marvel and DC heroes, and they're like figurines. Mm-hmm. And so you have your figurine, but then you also have a card that lists all its abilities. And this, and there are some characters that have like 10 to 15 abilities, and they all affect different things from damage to range to movement speed to um, all these different modifiers that affect the way that your heroes fight. Because it's like... It's kind of like a tabletop game, but with all these extra abilities that you don't get in a regular tabletop game. Hmm. Um, so I found myself really not enjoying it because there were just way too many abilities. It was way too confusing and it was really difficult to keep track of what all the characters were doing at one time. Um, hmm. But then we played another game called Dominion. Um, have you ever played that, Josh? No. So it's a it's like a deck building game where you have your small deck and you of cards and you're building that deck, you're buying cards, and then you're cycling through your deck and then it's victory point at the end as okay. well. A lot simpler, a core yep. game mechanic that is easy to understand, but the skill ceiling is high enough where you know that if you get better, you can actually enjoy the game more. Hmm. So what I've realized about myself is I like the more grindy games that you can understand the the concept instantly, but it takes a long time to build that skill. Yeah. If that makes sense. 
Yeah. So, and I, I, I think back to the games that I used to play when I was a kid, like RuneScape. Um, I used to play that game a lot, and that game is like pure grind. There is, <laughs> that, that is yeah. that is all you're doing. You're cutting down trees and you're mining rocks and you're smithing <laughs> daggers and you're fighting monsters, and it's just all about raising that 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 um that skill level higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Well, I mean, now that you mentioned this and I'm thinking about it, I think I can see a defi- definite correlation between the games I like and they're all games that you get to... Like, they're not very linear. Like, they're games where you get to sort of choose the way you do an adventure. For example, the reason I love mm. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild so much is because they just dump you on this... <laughs> in, in this place, Hyrule. And they barely tell you what to do and you can just go wherever you want. Um, like you can just go and kill the, the the boss straight away if you want the, the last boss and finish the game. It will be pretty hard, but it is doable. It is doable. It's possible. Yeah, like I mean, so you have to do the the first the first place is the the Great Plateau. You have to get part. That's like the tutorial area, but it's still the game. Like if you could find a way to get off that without doing that, but there is no way because it's just, you have to do it to get this glider basically and then you can glide off it. But once you can get off the Great Plateau, you can literally just go straight into Hyrule Castle and face the last boss. Hmm. There's nothing stopping you. I've watched speedruns. It's amazing. Wow. Um, yeah. But I like it because, and you can like, you know, wear all these different clothes that do all these things. You can play in your own way. You can use spears. You can use just a bow and arrow. Like you can sort of make the game what you want it to be. Um, you can adventure as much as much or as little as you like. Um, and it's the same with Mario. So Mario Odyssey, I like that because they each, they've got these levels, but you can, and you just have to collect moons in the level, but you, you can get whatever moons you want. Like you don't have to get this moon, then this, they dump you and it's a sandbox really. You can just do whatever you want in there and just play around. Um, same with Stardew Valley. You can make <laughs> whatever you want. You don't even have to have a farm. You can just do it all through fishing and mining. You know, like it's... Mm. And the next... And I was thinking about it. Okay, what are the next games I'm looking forward to? And I'm like, well, Mario Maker, where you can make your own Mario levels and Animal Crossing, where you can make your own village and island and everything. So I think I like creating my own and doing things my own way, like without someone telling me what to do. That's why I like Dungeons and Dragons so much. That's literally... Yes. That game is you just play it however you want. That's um, so interesting. That's yeah. So, so in some way, would would it be fair to say that you enjoy the aspect of games where you can project yourself and your own personality onto the game? Maybe, yeah. Than, yeah, I think that rather would be than it. the game telling you this is how you have to do it. Yeah, I think so. Like I remember mm. way back in the day playing Fable. Yeah, and it says all these decisions you make have their consequences. Yeah. And I loved that because it's like, wow, I'm deciding how this game goes. You know what I mean? It's not the game deciding for mm. me. It's like you choose this or you choose this. Either way, the same thing happens. <laughs> it was actually... And that's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny because like my experience is almost exactly the opposite. My favorite... Because <laughs> I love role-playing games as well. I love RPGs. Like yeah. I love God of War and The Witcher 3. And I recently yeah. pra- played this game called Thronebreaker, which is set in the, oh, yeah. the Witcher universe. But all three of those games your character is preset you are playing as kratos in god of war you're playing as geralt or you're playing as queen meave of lyria and rivia in um in thronebreaker mm. and you you make decisions and your character makes decisions uh, not so much in in god of war because it's it's very much an on the rails sort of action adventure game but your character is preset 
so that's interesting that that so what you're saying about being able to project yourself i don't have that need i don't i don't really care as much about that i've, I've never been sort of the person who's like into like runescape one of the biggest end game things is fashionscape or like warframe which i played for a long time fashion frame it's like the, <laughs> you know your personalization making it your own and yeah. yeah it's interesting that that appeals to some people but it doesn't appeal to others yeah yeah no interesting pretty cool no there you go you might be onto something jesse maybe we should uh, look further into that so yeah send us the games you like if you like games or and see if they say anything about you or maybe yeah we can psychoanalyze know. you through your video game and board game and other game preferences. <laughs> that would be so cool. All right, well, let's get it. Like, all right, we need to we need to talk about some serious stuff. Not that that wasn't serious. That was pretty interesting. Maybe <laughs> we should have just done a whole episode on it. But anyway, um, so what we've discovered is that for a lot of people, there is a big roadblock um, in this idea of what's my purpose as a pastor. Um, and maybe for you as well, Jesse, this is your experience, but one of the most common things I get is people trying to figure out what their purpose is and what's God's purpose for their life. Um, and it just becomes, honestly, more of a hindrance than a help because people get so stuck on it. It's a good question to mm. ask, I guess, and it's a good thought train to go down, but at the end of the day, like it becomes a roadblock for so many people. Yeah. I think people like hit a certain age in life like I think you hit the age of 15 to 16 that's when you really start to ask these questions because you're in this you're in this stage of life where your your big values are belonging and and purpose and meaning and what the heck am I here for why why am I on this earth what's the point of any of this and a lot of people start to ask this question but they never stop asking the question because they they I don't know they they feel like there's no satisfying answer perhaps I I don't know what a lot of people's um, thought processes when it comes to purpose, but it seems to me that a lot of people, especially in the Western world, and I wonder if this is uh, this could be just a Western problem. I, I don't know if it is because we live in this hyper individualized culture, but hmm. people tend to ask this question and they have this this sort of, I guess, desire or maybe it's a just a, an idea that we subscribe to that. For me, there is some sort of holy, um, preordained um, sweet spot that each of us is called to. Like there is something specifically that we are called to by God to do for God or in life that is going to make us whole and healthy and happy and fulfilled. And people search for it and chase for it yeah. sometimes forever. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think... Like, I don't want to say that there's not, but at the same time, there's not. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. There, there's, <laughs> there, there is a divine purpose and calling for each one of us, but I don't think it's as complicated and as individualistic as we make it, if that makes sense. Maybe the question, maybe the question, what is my purpose? Maybe that's just not the right question to be asking. Maybe we should be asking a different question instead. I'm, I'm not thinking of a specific question in mind, but... Maybe it's just an unhelpful place to start. Yeah, because I think personally, in my in my reading of scripture and my my own journey with Jesus, I think what I've discovered is that all of us all of us have the same purpose. Um, mm. All of us, I think God's clearly laid out a purpose for each one of us, and so maybe this will really set you free. Um, but I can tell you pretty clearly what what 
Jesus thinks about our purpose. And our purpose on earth is to love God, love people, make disciples. You hmm. could probably rope love disciple or make disciples into loving God and loving people and just having loving God and loving people, but I think it I think it could stand as its own pillar. So I think realistically, we have to set ourselves in that mind frame that my purpose in life is to love God, love people, make disciples. Hmm. Now God's given each one of us our own sort of gifts and our own passions in life that I think we're all just naturally made like that and you don't need to you don't need to figure those out. They're just already there. You know what you like. Just like what we were talking about with the video games before. Look at that. We've already come full circle. We've done it. <laughs> but there are some video games that I'm naturally drawn to. And like we've just discovered, that actually says a lot about my personality. Uh, and same with same with Jesse, same with all of us. And, you know, you could make that to books or movies or, I don't know, activities that you like. And I'm sure there's yeah. different personality traits you can find in each one of those. So there's sort of... Sports, we already sports. have a... Oh yeah, sports, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um because yeah. I know a lot about sports and <laughs> things. You know that sport where the the players have an objective and then the other team tries to stop them because they oh, also have I the opposite objective. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one where they have to score points and uh, Oh yeah. Yeah, and they have to prevent the other team from scoring points all the whilst making more points for themselves. It's just wow. <laughs> so inspiring. So yeah, inspiring. crazy. How do they do I it? I feel the need. I feel the need to to go and do some betting right now. <laughs> make some betting. Make some betting. Betting. Do a bet. Oh, make a bed. No. <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> Idiot. <No. laughs> yeah. So all of us already have purpose. I think clearly laid out for us by the words of Jesus. Right. Mm. I don't know. Am I am I misguided in that? That makes sense to me. Well, I mean, you're kind of like, it's it's interesting because to a certain degree, you're kind of like giving away the big idea right at the beginning and people could kind of just go, oh yeah, cool, move on. But I don't think a, a lot of people would not accept that. I think a lot of people will go, well, hang on, that that's all very well and good and it sounds really simple, but what about me? I still feel like I'm not in my purpose. I still feel like my purpose isn't being isn't being executed. I'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing i feel like i'm in the wrong place yeah it's like i'm already loving god loving people and making disciples but i don't feel like i'm doing it's, my it's purpose. not enough it's, it's not enough yeah it's not enough that's an interesting paradigm yeah yeah mm. and so i think it's a i think it's an interesting tension i think it's a good tension for us to live in because Absolutely. i think to a certain degree that's something that all of us live with our entire life like we have potential and we're living up to some of it, but we're not living up to all of it. And uh. I think that's something that most people live with. I think some people shut that off and they try not to think about it. But I know for me, I, I definitely think about my life, there is more that I could be doing. But the big difference is whether you put that on yourself or you put that on God. Like, okay. is this something that God is supposed to be doing more in my life? Or is this something that is my responsibility? The whole, you know, gifts and responsibilities. With a great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> True. I don't know. True words have never been spoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's funny though, that movie, that, that line is so often repeated more than 
I don't know if I don't know if they knew it was going to be such a great line in the movie, yeah. but it still gets repeated so often. Anyway, I should look yeah. into that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I like I can understand people feeling like, well, come on, you can't just say my purpose is to love God, love people, make disciples. Um, surely it's got to be more individual than that. Mm. Mm. And that's the thing. I think each one of us. <clears throat> we have our own way of loving God. We have our own way. Well, yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm going to stand by it. We have our own way of loving God. We have our own way of loving people and we have our own way of making disciples. Believe it or not, there's more than one way of doing it. Um, <laughs> but I thought that the only way was to hand out glow tracts on the street or do street preaching or knock on people's doors, Josh. Isn't that the only way that we make disciples? <laughs> <laughs> well... Maybe, maybe in some. <laughs> it's like you sound so defeated. <laughs> uh, and I think we need to we need to recognize that yeah, you are an individual, but the the purpose of our life, we're actually if we're all called to this together, then we can all be empowered together to do it in our own unique ways. Yeah, and I don't think I think that's something that comes over time as well. I don't think it's something you can just figure out Mm. which is why i think a part of this is looking at the season that you're in Mm. um how do you mean so if it's winter no no i'm kidding no i'm talking more (laughs) maybe what metaphorical seasons maybe Ah, i'm sure there's a better word for it yeah um like you know if you're a if you're a student at avondale college or an adventist adventist tertiary education facility um you that's that's a season even being in your first two years there or being in your last two years there are two different seasons of your life definitely definitely yeah um or if you're living at home um you know with your parents that's a season if your work the job that you're working at is part of your season if you change jobs you know it can be a new season for you if you move cities, it's a new season. That sort of thing is what I'm talking mm. about. Um, and so, your purpose in life really does depend on your the season that you're in right now. Um, so, it's more about being where you are at the moment that you're at rather than always looking forward to what that next season or that next moment is going to be, like chasing the rabbit. Yeah, well, like, you know, you, you think about, oh, you know, there's this people and they came and did a talk and they've started this orphanage in China and they prayed about it and they just knew that's what God wanted to do. So they left their job and, you know, that sort of thing. And those stories are amazing. I'm not, I don't want to downplay how incredible those stories are, but often I think we think of our purpose has to be something crazy like that. Mm. And mm. I'm going to say that's true for some of us, but not all of us. Um, yeah, I was listening to um, Ask N.T. Wright Anything recently. Um, great podcast where N.T. Wright, the great um, Scottish um, theologian, New Testament theologian, um, just sits down and answers questions r- from a whole bunch of different topics. And um, he got this question from a, a housewife, um, just you know, being at home, taking care of the kids. And she was expressing her frustration like, I feel like I should be doing more in in ministry in life, you know, because I used to be involved in my church and I used to do this, that, and the other thing. But now I'm stuck at home. I'm just here with the kids. I'm just being a housewife. Is is that 
am I am I missing out on my full potential of what God has called me to do? Wow. And he he said something really profound. He said that, you know, we look to the big big ministries, the big um names, the big personalities, the ones who seemingly have made impacts on on millions of people, but really the call of the gospel isn't just for the big personalities, the big budgets, the big ministries. Mm. It's for people, individuals with no budget, with no seeming ministry, just doing what they can faithfully in the small deeds, the small acts of kindness, the small acts of generosity, the small acts of faithfulness. And that's really, over time, what makes a big difference, not some big flashy thing where you in a stadium and you're preaching to thousands of people and then you're moving on to the next town like that's not you know that's that's not where it's at for most people um, yeah. yeah yeah and i would say like parenting is an incredible season neither of us have entered into that but like that's an incredible season and that's a big season that's like an at least an 18 year season you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah. it's huge um uh, but it's val- it's valuable and i think should be recognized more in in our churches, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. That's something I that I think frustrates me a little bit. But I don't know what exactly the alternative looks like. But I, I guess that's the thing we have to. We can't always compare ourselves to these massive names and these huge, yeah. Like you're saying, big budgets, big names that go from stadium to stadium. Or I think we just have to recognize that, you know, the world needs teachers in schools the world needs stay-at-home parents the world needs these things and those are an incredibly valuable are an incredibly valuable part of the kingdom of heaven i think a lot of where we get messed up in this whole deal is the shift the cultural shift that's happened from thinking about yourself as part of a collective whole to now we think of ourselves more as an individual on an individual basis as not as much as I'm a member of a tribe or I'm a member of society, um, but I'm an individual, I'm an island. And so when I think about my purpose and I think about what I'm here doing in, in life, it's it's all about me. Um, mm. And I think that's a really interesting thing. I think it's a problem. I, I also think it's a really keen thing that we all need to wrestle with as in the Western world, especially, um, like it or not, the the Bible writers, when they were writing into their context, they were writing into a tribal collective context. They were not writing primarily to an individual context. You know, when we think about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah is not writing to Nancy Smith from Utah, who's 37 years old and has two children and really needs to hear that God's purposes for her life are good. He's writing to an entire people. I'm going to be um, absolutely heartbroken if we do have a 37-year-old Nancy Smith from Utah who listens to this <laughs> and then you're just like, wait, it's not to it's specifically not to you, Nancy. Everyone else, <laughs> not you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nancy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to be the one to break it to you. <laughs> Someone tag 37-year-old uh, Nancy Smith in Utah, please. It has to be one. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what I mean, though? Like, it, the the Bible, I mean, we're not Old Testament, New Testament scholars by any means, but 
um, what I've found is that continually um, instructions given to people are given mostly on a collective basis in the Bible. Um, I'm thinking about Paul's epistles to the churches. He addresses individuals in those churches, but when he's giving general advice, he's rebuking, he's rebuking the entire church. He's, in, he's, re, he's talking to the entire collective. Um, when Jesus um, gives his teachings, he makes it individual, but then he also brings it back to the collective um, conscience. He mm. brings it back to who we are as a people on a collective basis because that's how people thought. People didn't think, I'm an individual. People thought, no, I'm just a cog in the machine. I'm a smaller part of a greater whole. And what we've done in our Western world today, and this is in part due to um, philosophers, theologians who have been influenced by a Christianity, we've been given this gift of the power of the individual that human life is sacred, that each person is a child of God. Those are very biblical ideas. Those are very Christian ideas. But what we've done is we've mixed that with capitalist Western ideals of success and money and fame and all the stuff that people want. And yeah. people have, you know, people have always wanted that stuff, but we've just made it individual, American. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, not, it's not just American anymore. It's. Western. No. It's it's no. the idea of like there's me and and my four fence walls and this is this is me. Like you don't know your neighbors, all that kind of thing. So when it like we don't we don't know how to do community the we don't know how to do community that well in our society mm. anymore. We've kind of lost that. To be fair, we've kind of lost the need for it as much as in some other societies. But I think psychologically the need is still there. It's physically the need isn't isn't there. It's not the same. Mm. So, yeah, when you fuse this with that sort of theology, yeah, I don't know, it can create some big problems, I think. Yeah, I mean, even in the 19th century, we, it was people still thought mostly collective. People thought uh, nationally because most of the world's cultures were ethnically homogenous, by which I mean, if you live in the UK, you're English. If you live in Germany, you're German. If you live in Japan, you're Japanese. Um, but with the great migration of the 20th century following world war one and world war two you know you had migrants from europe and then later asia coming into the united states and and australia and and new zealand and then everything kind of shifted in the 1950s and the 1960s and it's what you were talking about you know the nuclear family the white picket fence the american dream the australian dream the kiwi dream the yeah. great kiwi dream you know i literally grew up with a house with a white picket fence that's crazy. Yeah, our farmhouse <laughs> had a white picket fence. <laughs> that was beautiful. It's the Australian dream. <laughs> yeah, we were living the Australian dream. No one could stop yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. And actually, your family is a great example of that. You know, you guys, you know, you had everything and then you lost it. And it was it was such a huge, huge deal to you guys when you did lose it. Understandably so. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and then, and then, you know, later on in culture we've even moved past the nuclear family. We don't think as much in family terms anymore. We think mostly in individual terms. We think about ourselves as as important, as sovereign individuals. And um, especially in, in certain cultures in the world, the family is being downplayed. And um, people are being told that, no, it's not your family that's important. It's you, the individual, on your own. Mm. You, you have become an island. Um, and you have sovereignty and it's up to you to make choices and 
the wisdom and the collective wisdom of your tribe and your family is largely being forgotten. And so now we are in this place culturally where when we think, what's my purpose? What is God's purpose for me? We forget our tribe. We forget our church. We mm. forget our the people that we came from, the family that we came from. And we think of ourselves and our purpose in a merely individual context, forgetting yeah. everything else. Absolutely. And that's the thing for me, you can't find your purpose if you can't see the need around you. If that makes sense. Like you, mm. if my purpose is to love God, love people, make disciples, then the best way to figure out exactly what my part to play within that is, is to look around, see where are people not being loved? Where are people struggling and I can love them better? Where are mm. people struggling to connect with God? How can I connect them to God better? Where are we as a community struggling to make disciples? What part can I play to help us make disciples? Who here needs discipling? What can I play in this part? And as soon as, I think that's the thing, as soon as you can see the tribe around you and the community around you and you see yourself as really, this is part of who I am, then it becomes a lot easier to figure out what, you, what you're going to spend your time and your passions doing. Hmm. That's hmm. what makes sense to me anyway. <laughs> yeah. I think if if you are trying to figure out your, your purpose and what God's called you to and you're just making it about yourself and you're not seeing the need around you, well, then I think that's going to be a pointless... It's going to be an utterly pointless exercise because purpose, at least godly purpose, does not exist in a vacuum. Yeah. And that's the thing. We live in... We live in a society... <laughs> We live in a society. Yeah. <laughs> but no, honestly, we actually live in a society where you your options are endless in terms of what you can do. Like you have more options today in how you could live out, you, you know, your how you can get a full-time income. Um, you have more access to more places in the world. You, there's just, if you want to figure out what you're going to spend your time doing, you'll be overwhelmed by the options. You'll be like, oh, I could be mm. a, a full-time YouTuber. Oh, I could be a, I could be, a, uh, I don't know, I could be a carpenter. I could be a doctor. I could be, do you know what I mean? Like there's so, that you could just never, and even just for hobbies, for example, you, you trying to figure that out, what you want to do with your hobby time. It's like, oh, you know, I could do this or I could join this or like, I don't know. There's just so many options, but as soon as you, I don't know, as soon as you shrink it down to no, no, my purpose is to love God, love people, make disciples. I want to spend quality time doing that and I want to fix my life around that. How am I going to do that? I don't know. Like, I think it, I think it does make, I think it makes life a bit easier, but maybe that's coming from a pastor. So maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not seeing it from the perspectives I need to. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think part of the problem as well is that we do see our religion, I don't know. Maybe I'm going out on a limb when I'm saying this, but I think we do see our, our religion potentially with a more pragmatic approach. Like, what's this doing for me? Like, how is uh, it benefiting yeah. me? Rather than thinking about the ministry side, as in, I'm called to ministry and it doesn't matter what kind of ministry I'm called to, I'm already always going to do ministry because that's what I'm called to do as a Christian, as a child of God. And so wherever I choose to do ministry, whatever, doesn't matter as long as I'm called to ministry. I, and I don't want to call people out, but I do think that 
sometimes we just think about our faith far too pragmatically where we think primarily what can i get out of this not what can i put into this what can i do to actually further the gospel what can i do to make his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven um i think we just kind of unconsciously believe that that's the work of the paid employees and so let's Mm. leave it up to the pastors and the teachers and the elders and the ministry leaders and let's just do our lives because we're just normal ordinary people what can we do Mm. that's interesting yeah. And that's the thing. I think you, you become, when you, it's interesting that you get a lot more options, a lot more things you, you can do when you become a full-time pastor or a full-time teacher. But all of a sudden, a lot of options actually get closed off to you that only volunteers could do, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I my, mean, you and I both have both talked about stuff that we'd love to do and we've just gone, well, can't really do it because all our time's taken up doing this, this and this. Yeah. Like, we're pastors. You know, our influence has increased in some areas, but it's actually vastly reduced in other areas. There, yeah. there are people who, like, we just cannot, we simply can't connect to because we're, we're pastors. Um, I think I've shared this before about times when I've been in, like, a cafe and just chatting to the barista and having a really good chat about something. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, so what do you do? And then you say, oh, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a church. And then they just shut down. Um, that That's yeah. happened to me. I, I know that's not everybody's experience, but... Like clearly, the fact that I was a pastor was a problem to them, and so that has instantly destroyed my influence that I had with that person. Now, yep. does that happen all the time? No, but does it happen? Yes. Yeah. So that my influence is actually mm. reduced in that area. So that's why we need people with all sorts of different lives because that's the only way the gospel is sort of going to get to all the ends of the earth is if we have people in all the ends of the earth doing all different sorts of things and that's we i don't know that's that's how i think about it like i'd love to see more you know just spirit-filled carpenters spirit-filled architects spirit-filled um rocket technicians i don't know i'm running out of, I'm, I'm running out of random <laughs> owners of offshore wind farms i don't <laughs> No, it's true though. It is true. I mean, I think I just think about some of the people that are in my church and they are just absolute spiritual giants, you know. Mm. They they they're way more further along in their journey than I am. Um they're way more connected to God than I am. Just because you're a pastor doesn't necessarily mean you're the most spiritual person in the room. Um sometimes that's true. But not always. I you know, I I feel so humbled and honored to be with some of my church members, um, mm. I just I just love them so much, and I I'm really really just grateful to be able to uh, do life with with so many of them. But what that really illustrates to me is the way that we've messed this whole. Like I remember being at Avondale. Shout out to Avondale, our 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 weekly shout out to Avondale, <laughs> who don't sponsor uh, us or anything. <laughs> maybe maybe one day <laughs> they should they should. Um, we, I, I remember, you know, going to these special, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, testimony services at Avondale. Oh, yeah. You'd have 728 and you'd have old mate who used to be a druggie and he used to be a kingpin and he used to be this, that and the other. And, and then he cried out to God and then God rescued him from the bottom of the ditch. And now he's in ministry and he's going to be a pastor and everybody goes, oh my goodness, that's the most inspiring thing ever. And my life sucks compared to that. I'm ne- I'm never going to have. Well, you you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. People don't feel like they have a testimony. Turnaround. 
when they hear yeah, something yeah, like the, that. The, the, the road to Damascus sort of experience where, you know, somebody goes from zero to hero, they go from villain to on fire for Jesus sort of thing. And that is something that we look up to and we go, man, they're definitely called by God. God has called them into ministry. God has called them to be a really special sort of person, you know, on fire for him. And then we look at our lives and we go, well, I haven't experienced that. I, 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 I was never a drug addict. I was never in the mafia. I was never in the hell's angels. You know what? What? Oh, well, I guess, I guess my calling isn't that important. I guess I'm just a regular person. I guess that I'm not mm. all that important compared to that other, that other person, that other man, that other woman. And so what I think sometimes we do is we overplay the uh, calling of some people, which not intentionally, but unintentionally downplays the calling of the vast majority. I think we really do a disservice to our churches when we do that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Even, I don't know, people getting their calling confused by events like that, in a way. Like, um, people who, oh, I don't yeah, I don't know. But there are people who are like, oh, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And then you sort of talk to them and you, you look at them and they don't really... I don't know. God, I, I mean, God can use anyone. So, like, I'm not trying to box, but you just look at them and you're like, man, you don't have the gifts that a pastor sort of needs to function. Um, you don't have people skills. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> that sort of thing. And it's... Uh, I don't That's know. That's a big one. You got to love people. And there are a lot of people who want to become pastors and they just don't love people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like they don't have, they have no compassion or they don't care about yeah. people. I don't know. Like, and again, like I'm never going to restrict what God can and can't do ever because like he knows more than me, obviously. But I don't know. That's why I think like, so I think some people do, do though. They just get a bit, they just feel like, oh, I have to be super spiritual and I have to be a spiritual leader. Um, Therefore, I, I have to be a pastor. That's That's my calling. I don't mm. know. I think there are a lot of people who feel like they should become pastors who should never become pastors, but they should do something else and they should do ministry and they should be involved in something because everybody's called, but that doesn't necessarily mean that pastoral ministry is the be all and end all. Like just because you feel called doesn't mean you should be a pastor. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. Because <laughs> it makes me, it does, you know, every time I consider that, it makes me reconsider my own calling, whether that's really what I'm called to be. Yeah. Um, oh, but I also think, I also think that calling isn't necessarily limited to just one thing. So I don't think we I don't think people are necessarily called to one thing for their entire life. I think some people are called to do one thing their entire life, but I don't think that God is that hard nosed. Like, okay, this is your one shot. And if you don't make that shot, then you're going to live feeling like you've wasted your potential your entire life because you only have one thing. I, I just don't think that's how it works. Yeah, like that's the thing. God calls us in each season we're in. And I'm fully okay. Like I'm not, this isn't a, a prophecy or something, but I don't know if God's called me to be a pastor my whole life. But I know in this season, he's calling me to be a pastor and he's calling me to stay here and, and I'm going to, mm as hard as it is sometimes i'm going to keep going um, and that and doesn't mean that we're going to be looking at the horizon the whole time going yeah i hope god calls me to that next thing because i really hate where i'm at right now no 
we're, sometimes. We're, no. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's a hu- that's human, right? That's that's yeah, our yeah. human humanity coming out. But if we're really invested in where God has called us in this time, then we invest in it and we live in it and we actually park ourselves here and we don't live, you know, always hoping for that next thing. Like, I know some people are really wired to be looking for that next thing and that's just sort of who they are. But that doesn't mean that we can't fully invest with where we're at right now because I think that's vital. Yeah, which is, I guess, an even deeper problem that I think we're we're running into more and more in the kind of the kind of society we've built around us with social media and that kind of thing is just the ability to just be present and just here and in the moment is is really challenging um yeah. I, I find it challenging like the amount of times i'm just chilling on the couch and then on my phone while watching tv and danelle's sitting right next to me and i'm like well, like the amount of times I've just thought to myself, like, why can't I just, like, put my phone away and just be here with Danelle? Like, instead, I'm yeah. elsewhere. You know what I mean? Or yeah. I'm, like, working and thinking about, like, oh, I just can't wait till I'm at this thing. I just can't. And I'm like, well, why can't I just be present in the moment I'm in? It's I don't know. I think it's an ability that we have to almost, like, relearn as as a society, mm. maybe. Mm. Or at least as in our age demographic. I don't know. And that's where I think that calling and purpose really is a multi-layered idea because it's about our season it's about our life but it can also be about that this moment you know about mm. today this hour that we're in you could be called you could find that purpose in making that connection with your friend or your wife or the random stranger on the street or your barista that could yeah. be your calling that could be your purpose not just not just thinking about your overall one, but what is God calling you to do? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do in this moment where you're at right now? And if we live distracted, then we can miss that. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. Mm. I'm getting like convicted <laughs> while I'm talking about this. <laughs> but I'm, like, yeah. I'm getting convicted as I'm saying that. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't yeah. have we shouldn't have decided to talk about this, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean honestly though, like the the challenge of just letting God, I don't know, let, almost like letting our purpose find us in each season. Mm. I mean, like there, like obviously you can be lazy with it and not follow God's calling, but and you can miss it, I guess at times. But I just don't, I don't know. I don't think it's as complicated as what we've made it at the end of the day. Yes, yes. And I think the other element is the idea of true love. I think I think true love and purpose are kind of similar ideas. Also, you know, the, like this. Well, I don't think it's something that we really we really think in this day and age anymore. But I remember the movies in the 90s particularly the romantic movies it's all about finding your true love yeah that, it's about you complete me yeah exactly yeah. exactly yes <laughs> that's exactly right and it's this idea that out there there is one person for you that is your soulmate that uh, is the yeah. one like right that's that's and that's the idea that i think we've rejected i think we've rejected i could be wrong but i think for the most part we have kind of rejected that idea because we've seen how hollow and ultimately false it is but i think it's the same idea with purpose the idea that out there is the one there is the thing that's going to complete you 
the the job that's going to make you whole the project that is going to complete the person that you are um and i think that is is partly it's consumeristic it's capitalistic it's Mm. western it's hyper individualized and again as we're talking about i don't think that's how god works i don't think god is that hard-nosed like there's one thing for you and if you miss it you miss it and well sucks to be you yeah yeah honestly and and that's what's the the average at the moment is people will work like six different six different jobs yeah it's crazy something crazy in their life or something at least yeah um i can't remember what the statistics something like that whereas it used to be like two (laughs) yeah (laughs) one or two many people just you know their whole life you know, at the paper mill or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and I, I, can't, I honestly can't even picture that now. As soon as somebody says, yeah, I've been working here for 10 years, I'm like, what? How? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but uh, that's that's the thing though. I don't, I, I, I don't think it means that we're uncommitted, but like who's to say you didn't have a calling to be at each of those six jobs or nine jobs, whatever it is. Like you can't just assume you've got one purpose in your life and that's to start an orf- orphanage in China. Yes, you might. I, I used to go to church with people who ended up leaving and starting an orphanage in China and they're amazing. <laughs> they're still there. Um, but that's because they saw a need. They saw they could fill the need and I don't know, God must have just opened the doors so they went. Mm. Which, is- But even in that situation, it's not like God forced their hand. Like It's not like God kind of appeared to them and said, you must do this or else. Like they, At the end of the day, they chose to do that. They probably felt an incredible calling on their life. But at the end of the day, they had to book their tickets. They yeah. had to pack their house. They had to move their family to you know wherever it, wherever it is they were going. You know That's a big deal. And that's what they had to do. Yeah, they chose it. And I mean, mm-hmm. how... How underrated do we make choice in all of this in purpose? We think we're not going to have a choice. But at the end of the day, God gives us choice. That's that's the whole like opening premise of the Bible is that we had choice yeah. and we still have choice today. And so why yeah, would we I think mean, God would take it away from us? In, in I would understand I would understand this conversation if you were coming up from a Calvinist p- perspective. Like I would understand that to yeah, a certain sure. degree. Because you have predestination. You have this whole idea that God is you know, predestined you to be part of the elect or not part of the elect. And then that really plays a big, big sort of deal into what you do with your life. Yeah, the irresistible gospel as well. Like you don't have yeah. a choice. If you really understand the gospel, you cannot resist it. <laughs> yes. Which is yeah. jarring to think. I get it, but it's kind of jarring to think about at the same yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we don't live in that world. We live in this sort of Aryan world in a way, not Aryan as in white but arianism which is you know which is the opposite sort of the opposite school of thought which emphasizes free will choice the idea that we do get to choose that god comes into the into the picture and he gives us options but ultimately he respects our decisions and he works with us no matter what i i I think of ancient israel you know how often did god give the people of israel a choice he didn't come down to intervene. He sent the prophets to warn the people of the natural consequences of their decisions if they went a certain way. But ultimately, he allowed them to choose whether they chose well or chose poorly. And he still worked with them irrespective of their choice. And he did the same with the prophets. He did the same with the apostles. He did the same with so many of the heroes that we look up to today in the Bible. Hmm. Yeah. Good lesson. 
good lesson to learn <laughs> okay. it's scary though because it means that our decisions do matter you know it's not like it's not like we're searching for you know like like where where the donut and we're searching for the hole you know <laughs> yeah you know, like that's not what we're doing we we are our choices do matter you're a jam filled donut it's already mm. there in you the sweetest I'm part. so hungry now I want a jam donut now <laughs> oh me too me too last time I was uh, in Australia I found a place that did gluten free jam donuts it was so oh. incredible gluten free for you everyone if you're in Melbourne go and check them out go and support them so that when I come back they have an even bigger range but yeah no i think you're absolutely right though like it's not like what completes you at the end of the day is jesus and the holy spirit living within you it's not it's not a it's not a spouse it's not a job i mean they can be fulfilling but it's not that shouldn't be what you should be complete before you do those things yes yes definitely yeah and And at at the end of the day it is your choice and your choice does matter so that should be and the thing that completes us the holy spirit jesus the the hope of glory that's available to everyone that's mm. not that's not you're not unique sorry kiddo <laughs> you know that's available for everybody that god doesn't discriminate so you know that's something that we have to deal with that uh, whilst our choices matter we are individuals we have individual gifts and abilities and talents and tastes and all that sort of stuff ultimately god has called us to what you started with, which is to love God, to love people, and to make disciples. The way that we do that does look different. That's where our choice comes in. That's where our gifts and abilities comes in. But ultimately, we are not islands. We are part of a collective. We are part of a new humanity that God is calling us to be, um, which will be fulfilled one day when Jesus comes back. And we all have a job to do individually and as part of that collective brand new humanity. Mm, yeah ah so good ah so good um so what's your what's your purpose at the end of the day love god love people make disciples how do you do it i don't know figure it out choose (laughs) use your passions (laughs) use your gifts use your season um and enjoy it be present in it be present in where god has you now and embrace that Mm. that's a special place and it's that is unique to you but your purpose and your calling is not unique to you. That's a calling mm. that we have on everyone. Mm. Couldn't mm. have said it better myself. Well, I pretty much just reiterated what you said. So <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to make you feel good. <laughs> I'm trying to make you feel good. All right. <laughs> We're just too nice. So what did you reckon? Are we are we heretics or um have we have we got are we onto something? Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts here. Um mm. if you disagree with us, let us know. We'd love to hear. Um, you know, I'm totally happy to be wrong on this, but I don't think we are, but I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> um, mm. And uh, yeah, we'd just love to hear, so make sure you get in touch with us for all things Burn the Haystack. Make sure you go to burnthehaystack.org. It's got links mm. and a contact form so you can send us an email or social media, whatever you want to do. We love it. And if you would like to really get deep into the discussion on this particular episode... The best place to do that is by heading over to our Facebook group and joining it. Um, ah, yes. Which which you can at any time, provided that you uh, give us the secret password, which is only available to you elite people who listen to this podcast. Um, and the password is Poppy Gloria. 
Mm-hmm. You won't get in unless you put the password, Poppy Gloria, or at least yeah. something like that. There's been a couple of people who've been like Hoppy Gloria. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's fine. Obviously, That's you got fine. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just let us know because uh, yeah, we want to fill that group uh, with people who actually listen. So um, and yeah, just make it an open platform for you guys. Hmm. And as well, I find that I really only listen to this um, podcast that I'm subscribed to. So if this is the first time that you've listened, welcome to the party. Um, hit that subscribe button. Uh, it's a great thing to do. And if you have already been subscribed to us for a little while now and you would like to support us further, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on the podcatching app that you use. Some of them uh, you can leave a rating or review. Some of them you can't. But the most surefire way to help us out is if you have an Apple account, just head over to iTunes and you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Um, That would be really appreciated. Yeah, awesome. All right, that is Josh and Jesse out.